Hello everybody, welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with myself Andy Kelly and it may be a Friday afternoon but we are relatively mob-handed, I'm pleased to say and I am indeed joined by our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away James Pearce, you okay Pearcey? Very good, thanks Andy Also joined by, um, I was going to say our digital guru but he's slightly taken a step back from his live blogging it's the, the one and only... Paddy the baddie best mate, Joe Rimmer. <laughs> Hello, Andy. You're right. Uh, you're right. And um, but we do have a digital guru in the uh, yeah. in the room, uh, courtesy of our tall Paul Gorse. You're right, Gorse. Yeah, yeah, um, well, look, we haven't uh, no midfo- midweek football this week, so uh, we're really going to start looking ahead to uh, the big game this weekend, uh, Liverpool's um, visit to Southampton. Piercey, you've been down. Andy Joe has been down to see Jurgen Klopp today at his press conference. Uh, what was his overall mood like? Yeah, jovial. Um, I think it's one of the, the pick of his comments was that uh, was making light of the amount of ex-Southampton players that he's got at his disposal and suggesting that Liverpool move their scouting department down to the south coast. Um, Michael was, Edwards would be delighted by that because he, he used to live down yeah, in Portsmouth, didn't he? Yeah, he was from down that way, and then. Um, yeah, and then at one point he joked that there'll be no Southampton, no ex-Southampton players involved this weekend, and then said, "But will that mean we're still able to field eleven? I don't know." Um, See, some people take it that quite badly. Uh, this whole Liverpool buy all their players from Southampton. Yeah. Klopp's have clearly gone. Yeah, if I you can't laugh, you you're just going to cry. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think uh, humour was probably the best the best policy on that, um, and obviously a lot of talk of Virgil Van Dijk because I think. Um, it's uh, it pretty much is a given that he will get a, a hot reception on his first uh, return to St Mary's. What is it? Only five six weeks since he made that record breaking move to Anfield, and Klopp speak you know asked in detail about that. Said that interestingly, he said he will sit down and have a chat with Van Dijk about you know essentially ensuring his head's in the right place and that he does keep his cool you know, amidst. You know, I'm sure there'd be plenty of uh, provocation. Um, Said that you know not something he'd usually do, but he thinks you know it, it, because there's it's been such a quick turnaround from joining Liverpool to going back there that it, that's something he needs to do. But he, he also went on to say that he's got no concerns about Van Dijk being able to handle everything that comes his way. And you know, I think although we haven't seen a huge amount of Van Dijk so far, I think he is a very cool and calm character, and I'd be surprised if he was unduly concerned about what awaits him on Sunday afternoon. Joe, what did, what did you think uh, what the manager had to say today to, to fill you with a relative calm and positivity ahead of the trip to St Mary's? Yeah, he seemed very relaxed. Um, and he seemed very relaxed about the, the prospect of, of Van Dijk going back there. He didn't quite say he'd start, but I think he hinted um, that he would do because he said he would talk to him beforehand. But yeah, um, he seemed in a good mood. He seemed like he doesn't have too many inju- injury concerns. Joe Gomez um, won't play, so it means your, your best friend Trent. Well, um, should start it right back. Um, other than that, uh, not too many concerns. So, so yeah. So I feel quite comfortable, quite relaxed about it. Um, it's a tough game. They they won the first the first time in nine against West Brom, um, and they haven't played so well. But Southampton fan I spoke to today said um, the times they have played well has been against the better clubs. So um, expect them to sort of start well on Sunday. Yeah, Gorsty, um <clears throat> What do you think about that whole scenario of of a lot of Liverpool players going back to to their old clubs? I mean, the one people forget is Oxlade Chamberlain, of course, started yeah, down there yeah. as well. Albeit Liverpool didn't didn't buy him from there. Um, can you 
ever envisage spending nearly 50 quid on a Premier League ticket and spending your entire 90 minutes spotting <laughs> your previous players and booing? Well, I think possibly next season of Liverpool go to Southampton, they could have Klein, Lallana, Mane, Lovren, Van Dijk on the team. Southampton fans are just going to spend 90 minutes booing, aren't they? It's <laughs> yeah, going to take a lot of energy from the, from the uh, Southampton supporters. I, I kind of get it, they, they don't like Lovren or, or Lallana. And I can see Van Dyke certainly falling into that category for the, the way they kind of engineered their exits. Um, and Van Dyke is likely to get booed off the park on Sunday. But as James said, he, he does seem that kind of cool, calm character, um, particularly on the pitch and, and certainly off it from, from what I've seen. So I don't think he'll be too phased by it, I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember noticing that... Um... Lalana, who I always think is a bit harsh given how much service he gave their club that he gets a bad reception yeah. um, I have seen him notably um, underperform under the face of, of, of booing from, from their supporters on occasions um, Lovren's probably used to it now I think uh, and Van Dyke, Pearcey said I I'd be very surprised if it affected him but, um, but it does sort of give them something to get stuck into the game with doesn't it in terms of atmosphere yeah. and Creating a sense of hostility. Yeah, it definitely to, adds to, an edge to it. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, because having gone down there in, in recent years, you can you can just sense that their fans are are, are well up for it. I think it is interesting, and it is, it's so much of it is linked to perception in terms of when a player leaves a club, in terms of how they've gone about doing it. Because Lovren's probably the perfect example of that. Because I remember he gave an interview when the clubs that weren't even close to agreeing a deal, saying, "My head's already at Liverpool." And his agent was effectively saying he's not coming back to Southampton, and obviously that is why he now gets the absolute abuse he gets. And it's interesting because obviously Lovren is prone to a rush of blood occasionally. And I think I don't know if it was last season or the season before down there he got booked, and then gave away a couple of fouls, and then got subbed off because it was one of those ones where you obviously concerned that the ref was going to be influenced by by that. So it'd be interesting to, to see how you know whether he has moved on from that and is able to handle that better because I think speaking to people down on the south coast today they think Lovren will still you know get the brunt of it and might even take take some of the heat off Van Dyke um, because that kind of still festers um, but um, yeah Lallana I find a little bit more difficult to understand because I think you're right the service he gave them I think it was probably you know, I think maybe local lads have always judged a bit more harsh than than players from elsewhere and um, and obviously, interestingly, Mane, who never said a word, just kept his mouth shut, and that deal got done very early in the window when he joined Liverpool. Barely, and I don't think there's even a murmur from the stands when he when he's on the ball. Yeah, I mean it's understandable because you know, as Liverpool supporters, we saw you know Raheem Sterling's the most obvious example. You yeah. know, engineer and exit say lots of you know virtually try every excuse in the book as to why he wanted to leave Anfield. Most of them, you know prompted by his agent and clearly absolute <clears throat> nonsense but he got his move he's going to get you know he's going to get his title winning medal this season and has been very good this season and everything else and you know we're 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 in a situation as Liverpool fans where we're probably and we'll probably talk about it later in the pod you know everyone is is a bit worried that Mo Salah has been so good this year that he'll become a target in in certainly in the you know in the next 18 months if not this summer and it, you know the the frustration of a player. You know if we if Mo Salah came out in the summer and there's no suggestion he will, but said, "Oh, my head's already at the 
at the at the Bernabeu, you know, it, all hell would break loose, wouldn't yeah. it? And and quite rightly, so you can understand why Southampton fans yeah. are pissed off I mean, for, I, for I, me. I suppose the thing with Liverpool is when players leave, they, they generally only go to either Real Madrid or Barcelona. Now, a Liverpool don't play Barcelona or Real Madrid very often, and there's not many teams who who kind of have more of a stature on the European stage. Um, Southampton's a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it? So, if a player kind of is a bit unsavoury in, in how they engineer an exit, then Southampton fans are within the rights to take that as a, as a slight on their club, and uh, th- that's that's been the case with Liverpool over the last five years. I think they need to turn in with Lallana. I don't think Lallana. I don't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't engineer a departure, did he, Lallana? When he, when he left there, no, he sort of left, left. I thought on good terms, and there was no, I think he didn't do any like no, he didn't do any not, Van Dyke striking no, or anything, no, did he? No I, I think, I think apart from people I've spoken to down there, I think the feeling was that because he was looked upon as like the hero of the almost like you know a Stephen yeah, Gerrard type, captain, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah captain, yeah. local lad, I, or I think had spoken about this is you know this is my dream club in terms of you know spending my career here. Now, obviously, he didn't know that Liverpool were going to come along. Um, but I think that's. But I agree with you. I think that's very harsh because yeah. I think most normal fans would surely look at that and say, regardless of your emotional ties with Southampton, when Liverpool come calling, and especially when they get offered the amount of money that they got offered for him, you know, I don't think they can have too many complaints. Yeah, I mean, I think Jurgen Klopp spoke about it today in terms of the fact that Southampton has still has some very good centre halves and and remain a you know, sort of very healthy club and much of that has been provided by money from, <laughs> from, from, from Liverpool. Sixty odd million, one hundred seventy-three, yeah, which is yeah, which is I mean it's a hell of a amount when you consider that FSG bought Liverpool for three hundred odd, um, and I know all these players. Are you? we talking actually? Are they, are they all coming from under FSG? Probably have, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so yeah. apart from Crouch and uh, Paul Jones. And I'm, I'm not sure Paul well, you Jones. Go, you going back that far with that 170 odd? Oh, yeah, yeah, in Premier, th- Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking there's more a, like there is somebody thorough in the room, James. Yeah. yeah, Paul Jones was a great emergency loan, wasn't he? Three games, whatever. Yeah. yeah. What was it? Wales is number one. The cop yeah. sang for him when yeah, he yeah. trotted it, trotted out. I seem to recall. Um, but uh, well, what do we think about it in terms of a game then? Because have to say. We all, you, we all get feelings about a game, and everyone listening to the pod will go, um, you know, I'm worried about this game or, or whatever. And it was funny, last week, <clears throat> nobody was that worried about Spurs because the thought is always that Liverpool would raise their game, and you, know, you can debate whether they did or not. Um, but quite a lot of people worried about the Huddersfield game, which became an absolute cruise because that's the type of game that Liverpool have found a banana skin in the past. Southampton's a tricky one because. We have had problems there in the past. I mean, we had problems against them full stop last season. Didn't score in four games, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, two league games, two league cup ties. Yeah. Um, but they they don't feel like they're the Southampton of that of that ilk this season. And obviously, the game at Anfield was probably as easy a win as Liverpool have had at Anfield this season. I mean, Van Dijk was strolling at the time in the middle of the Southampton defence, wasn't he? And wasn't very good. Almost like he didn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Who could possibly wonder why? Um, but you worried, James? You've got the long trip down there on Sunday with uh, Christian Walsh as your wingman, haven't you? So yeah, uh, I'm a little bit worried actually. Yeah, just because I think what we said earlier on about just adds an extra edge to it, um, and I think also just the, the fact that they're coming into it off the back of a win. You know, I think it, it, if they were really down in the dumps, 
then I think you, you, I'd be a slightly more optimistic about piling on the misery. But they had a really good win last weekend, and they at West Brom obviously have found goals hard to come by this season, but scored three on their travels. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a really difficult game. I think what it's only what is it a month since Tottenham only drew down there. Um, so it's you know, they they they've had a pretty poor season, um, but you know I, there's there's signs of a bit of a revival there. And the other thing that worries me slightly is Klopp was asked about you know are you already thinking about midweek in Porto? And he was adamant, no, no, no chance of that. Not not me or the players. That doesn't even come into our thinking. There's enough time between Sunday and Wednesday. But I think it's only natural that as players and also as a coaching staff that that they, they are planning for Wednesday. I think, although he said it won't affect his selection, I think it will. I think I think there'll be players that he'll be thinking, you know, probably asking too much to expect them to play 90 and then 90 uh, of that, especially, you know, how, how, how big that midweek trip to Portugal is. So, yeah, that does worry me a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of it will come down to, you know, if he does go with Van Dijk and Lovren again, how how they do respond to their surroundings. Joe Yamobi said in his Echo column today that he'd take a point uh, from the trip to St Mary's right now if you, if you gave him it because he, he, he thinks Southampton are better than their position in the table suggests uh, what do you reckon? Not at all, no I, not, to be honest I, I have my fears about that I think it's a, it's a place that historically in the Premier League era especially doesn't feel like a good place for Liverpool to go I remember them losing under Julio did Risa score? Risa Ridiculous on goal, on goal. Yeah, yeah and then they, they lost under Rafa when Crouch bullied them, didn't they? Um, obviously, there was the 3-2 when Koeman was there. But then I think this side, this current Southampton side, is the sort of side that will play a bit of football with you. I always back Liverpool against any team that they go and they go and go to that wants to play football. I think anyone's naive to do that. And I don't think they'll set up as defensively as, um, as some other teams might and try and hit Liverpool on the break or through set pieces. They're not the tallest team. Um, so I think it's a big opportunity to go for Liverpool to go and win there. Um, I think I think Pellegrino's had his troubles, and I don't see any reason why Liverpool can't can't put another sort of nail in his managerial coffin there because it doesn't look like he's going to last much longer. And if you look at the West Brom game, even that they were struggling in, and they needed a couple of late goals and to turn that game around. So I think Liverpool have got every chance. I don't think that they should be looking ahead and thinking you'll take a point because um, every game's vital now. And, I think it's the sort of game Liverpool need to get three points out of because they've got so many rivals who are all willing to take advantage and especially on the weekend when you've got um, Arsenal playing Tottenham it's a chance to put a bit more daylight between one of them Of course I was going to say that too you've got North London derby on <laughs> Saturday uh, so day before the Liverpool game um, difficult one to call, call that obviously but probably most Liverpool sports would be more than happy with a the draw there I would have thought um, but certainly anything barring a Spurs win I think would be acceptable yeah. um, but you know, as Joe says if you look at maybe some of the fixtures we've got coming up later in the season we've got to go to Old Trafford we've got to go to Stamford Bridge Goodison. later on in the season we've got to go to Goodison so when you put it in the perspective of those trips for all that you know, Liverpool have a good recent record against Everton for all that Chelsea haven't been brilliant recently um, then a trip to St Mary's you've got to view as a possible three points haven't you even though it can be a tricky trip. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think what is it? The two or three points above the drop zone, and there's like they're like one of nine teams you can get dragged into it. Uh, they don't tend to score a lot. Southampton, obviously, the West Brom game aside. Um, so I think if they kind of come out and try to play against Liverpool, like Joe says, I think that'll suit Liverpool. 
Um, I, I just wonder, or would he rather, with the point James made, <coughs> excuse me, about the substitutions and, and the rotation, if Klopp decides to maybe rest Firmino, then you've got Solanke or Ings coming in, and um, the dropping quality is, is quite steep. Um, so I, I just wonder if, if Porto plays a part and Klopp's thinking too much, Liverpool could come a cropper, but uh, hopefully that isn't the case and, and Liverpool can get the job done. Well, I did. I did. Uh, I did have a chat with Danny Ings earlier today, and uh, he is a Southampton boy um, yeah. at heart. So I know he's got a load of nephews and nieces coming to the game <laughs> on Sunday, and a load of family coming. So um, it c- could be if Klopp was inclined to make you know a, a, a change that he, you know he could see sense that you know it could be a game for for Ings to to, to get going in. Um, rest of the lineup, James. I have to say, I I thought. Lover and Van Dyke partnership was miles more solid than any of them with Matip yeah. on 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 Sunday. It was Sunday, wasn't it? And Spurs. Yeah. I thought we were really, really good defensively. And I know that the there was a couple of issues highlighted around the two penalties, but apart from that, I thought our defensive work under a lot of pressure second half and with Spurs even have quite a lot of ball in the first half, albeit they did nothing with it really. Um, I was really impressed with them and thought Carrius did really well behind them and be interesting to see Carrius now with a bit of confidence because finally saw made some saves and that it, it, it's mad but he goes through <laughs> so many games yeah. where either yeah, where, sense, even when Liverpool concede but it's just straight in the like in Swansea yeah. um, uh, Mawson put it straight in the corner didn't he there's no chance of him doing anything but he didn't really have many saves to make he actually had proper saves to make and made several I know people will be showing he gave away a penalty you idiot at the pod now but you know it's a debatable yeah, penalty yeah, and he I actually does he really well to try yeah. and pull him away but and he saved and he got up and saved it so yeah, um, yeah I mean it'd be, in, be interesting to see if he can really grow from that and maybe start to become the keeper Klopp thought he was getting from Germany yeah well, he, he spoke really well in the mix zone after the game Carrius about and he, he kind of did, did address that how little he has had to do in a lot of games and you know and he, he said you know I've, I've not been stood there saying please please you know, give me some saves to make but you know he, he, he kind of held his hands up to obviously the one against Man City the, the Sane one where he was beating at his near post saying you know okay I, you know, I probably could have done better there but yeah it did I think you could sense that he felt that Tottenham was a big step forward for him in terms of actually making a, a, a proper decent contribution and you know, even you know, he got some sick didn't he for, the, for pushing out the cross in the build up to Wanyama's goal but I thought that was really really harsh that, that was from me alongside yeah. you I was going what are you doing and then yeah, inside two minutes yeah. or two seconds Let, it was in the top corner to, to be honest I, I thought that the same at the time I think, but when you watch it back you know, I, I don't think he's done anything wrong there in terms of he got decent distance on it. Chan failed to deal with it. Oxlade Chamberlain had a head start on Wanyama and still got beaten by about three yards to that to that loose ball. And also the fact that, you know, Amy you know, it was an absolute worldie from Wanyama that ninety nine times out of a hundred ends up forty rows back in the cop. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see whether Carriers can build on that. He was he was quite honest as well in terms of he knows you know, he he knows that these coming months you know, our make or break from in terms of at Liverpool. We all know that Liverpool are in the market for a new goalie this summer. You know, in truth, probably they are going to be in the market for a new number one. But you know, I think Klopp was genuine a couple of weeks ago when he said, you know, I would still he, he still wants would love the solution to come from within, and that you know, effectively that means Carrius going on a run in the team and proving 
is qualities which you know we haven't really seen so far. And then you know the knock-on effect of that, I'm sure, would probably mean Mignolet moving on and effectively bringing in someone probably to compete with Carrius as opposed to replace him. Um, so in terms of selection, yeah, I think I don't think I, I don't think I think you'd be foolish to change that back four, especially with Gomez being out. Trent did really well um, against Spurs. I think the big thing will be what he does with the midfield because that was a real worry the way that that fell apart against Tottenham and just how completely lost control of the game in there. Obviously, he took off, and he would take off Milner and Henderson. Henderson, yeah. Um, there was a sort of debate in my head, which I haven't really come to a conclusion on as to whether. No, but uh, I mean, I, have, I haven't really discussed this now, but whether Liverpool lost control that second half more whenever Henderson and Milner were taken off because they put a hell of a lot into the first half, Henderson and Milner, and obviously, I think they were taken off in terms of. Um, you know, tiredness and energy really uh, and whether if 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 you were coming at it from a sort of a blank canvas would would they have been um, taking the tiredness element over would would Liverpool have perhaps been a bit mo- bit more in the game if they'd stayed on um, I mean I don't the substitutes who came on Wijnaldum didn't really have an impact in the game at all I have to say Oxley Chamberlain at the moment is really stinking cool. the yeah. gaffos uh, I mean he's I mean he started slowly. He really flourished, Oxley Chamberlain, and he's had a few games where you just, you, you know, you wonder what he thought he was contributing because he's done so little. So um, I can't, I don't think Oxley Chamberlain's done enough to get back in in that midfield, has he? Lalana. No, the only also, thing with Oxley Chamberlain, I think it was, it's only been a couple of games. Yeah, it's yeah. not, think, not been a it's huge. Like a, it's, it still feels like a bit of a blip as opposed to it was just a flash in the pan, and now he's kind of massively gone backwards. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see whether. But I agree with you. I think it would be a bit of a leap of faith to chuck him in the starting lineup. But I don't know. I he did make he did make a big contribution there. Well, not that long ago since yeah. we were sat here singing his it's praises. He's after very good away from home as well. I think he, he, he's good when you're sort of carrying the ball and hitting teams on the break. I think he was very good. Was it West Ham that he was very good at? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I quite like him away at Southampton. I think that he's physical, quite yeah, quite good at carrying the ball. And if Liverpool break on Southampton if Southampton have got a bit of the ball in the attack then he's sort of one of the ones that I like to carry the ball forward so I, I, I think I think you stinking the gaff out is a little harsh on him. Well, yeah perhaps perhaps <laughs> yeah. but I'd, I'd you know I'd, 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 just I'd, the I'd still happily debate it for half an hour but we haven't got that amount of time but um, <laughs> did you think there's a chance that Klopp might go down the he has done a couple of times when he's wanted to be solid away the whole you know the four four two vibe that he sometimes uses, and lets Salah and Firmino sort of roam up front, and then he brings Mane back and puts Oxlade Chamberlain tends yeah. to be on the right side. And you could do that with Chan and Henderson as the two central midfielders. Now that Henderson's back fit, that strikes me as a very solid option, Gorsty. But um, and you've still got creativity wide. Um, do you know, fancy that, or would you think he'll stick more with his traditional four-three-three? Yeah, I think he'll stick with the four-three-three. But um, with pretty much every Liverpool player, they can play two or three positions, can't they? So it's a very fluid setup. However, he puts them out. Um, I think, as you mentioned, that that four-four-two could kind of shape up Jordan again. But I think in the main, he does like to stick with the, the three, doesn't he? Um, but I, I personally. Defensive-wise, I don't think I'd start Lovren on Sunday. I think kind of when the game's a bit of a cauldron and, and you know the atmosphere is like red hot, that's when you get the, the dreaded Lovren clanging, 
that that's when they tended to come, and I think that would be tailor made for a Lovren mishap, you know, getting booed for 90 minutes at his former club. Um, but yeah, I, I think that midfield that you mentioned could start. Fair dues. Um, well, a few other issues to discuss um, this week. Um, today we had the uh, UEFA Youth League draw, James, and it. Uh, I mean, I did a little preview before the draw, and there was very little chance of Liverpool not getting a really, really exciting tie, given the teams who yeah. were left in there. But um, it came out with Liverpool, Manchester United, and it sort of always feels that um, with Steven Gerrard around, you always think there's going to be this type of a game <laughs> heading his way, and sure enough, um, it, he's got it, and Liverpool will be the home side, um, but it's going to be an absolute last 16 tie, isn't it? And it's going to be a crack of that, isn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly will be. Um, I ju- you just hope it will be played at Anfield. They haven't said yet, have they, where it or where it'll be played. I mean, obviously, they had to play the group games over at Prenton Park, um, but you'd certainly hope Liverpool United European game under the lights at Anfield is the is the stage that it should be should be held at. And for me, you get you get ten to fifteen thousand yeah. for that, wouldn't you? Oh, if easy. you put the tickets yeah, nice think, and cheap, I think so. And um, you know, brilliant for Gerard as well. You know, probably when Liverpool crashed out the Youth Cup a few weeks ago, and for his players, probably thought you know that was their last chance, probably grace in Anfield this season. And hopefully, they'll get an opportunity again. Um, and then it's Man City or Inter Milan. Waiting in the quarterfinals if if they get through, so it's a fantastic competition. The UEFA Youth League, you know, obviously kind of replaced the next gen series that existed prior to that. Um, and I know, f- you know from the stuff Stephen's done, the media stuff in the build up to the group games, you know how much he how much he thinks it's benefited yeah, that young squad. You know, all the, the experiences of travelling with the first team um, to those European games obviously now it's kind of split away now they're in the knockout stage it doesn't mirror the first team matches um, but yes yeah, it's going to be a, a great occasion I think February 20th or 21st and it is a spare midweek for Liverpool isn't it in terms of the senior team I think they've there's no midweek game I think they play West Ham the following weekend at home so you know, you'd, you'd like to think there's there's no real reason why it can't be Anfield yeah it'd be absolutely brilliant that and uh, you know it's a sort, sort of game where I think loads of people could sort of take their kids who don't often get the chance to go to Anfield to a to a sort of game like that, and um, yeah, it'd be, I think it'd be a cracking occasion. We've got the uh, the mini derby tomorrow, Liverpool against Everton, which is second against fourth in the uh, in the under eighteen Premier League, and uh, they're both on the same points actually, only separated by um, goal difference. So if you can get to Finch Farm, eleven a.m. tomorrow for that, James, um, you were the you have in the past occasionally been regarded as a man who brings bad news to Liverpool <laughs> fans. <laughs> and and uh, last night, uh, for some, for some, uh, you, you again were the bearer of bad, bad tidings. Um, for all that, we're not in a situation where Liverpool are, are you know, in a, in a place to buy players at the moment with the, wind, <laughs> the window well shut. But... Um, Thomas Lamar was a big name last summer. He was a big name sort of through January as well. But um, your understanding is that um, Liverpool's stepping away from that from from a possible move for uh, for Lamar has sort of hardened up a bit, and it, it's it's looking unlikely that they'll be back in for him at this stage. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the kind of speculation reignited this week on the back of the reports in France that. He'd rejected this new contract, and I think that had been billed in some places as 
you know, major boost for Liverpool in Lamar pursuit because he's not going to sign the new deal. Um, but yeah, the people I've spoken to have, have made it pretty clear that Liverpool have, have effectively ended their interest in Lamar um, in terms of you know a Coutinho replacement, which to be honest doesn't massively surprise me because I think it was interesting in January the fact that there was no contact with Monaco and you know if you go back to late last August Liverpool were in talks with Monaco were keen to try and sign him uh, couldn't get that deal done the, the price went up especially after Arsenal expressed their late interest it went up to 90 million in the end he ended up staying put um, and then obviously he was a player that they watched closely in the first half of the season um, but once once Coutinho were gone it was you know I think I think it was telling the fact that Liverpool didn't go back in for Lamar then. Um, you know, I understand Klopp feels that at ninety million pounds he is overpriced. He thinks that he's not. He doesn't warrant that kind of transfer fee. But it's. I don't think it's just about the money. I think it's also he hasn't had a very good season. I think you know you look at just his. You know, I, I don't watch a great amount of French league football, but just you just look at his numbers this season compared to to last season. I think he's only scored three goals and five assists. So far this season, or last season, he was a massive reason why Monaco won the title and got to the semis of the Champions League. And I think also over time, you know, not only is it maybe not so impressed by him, but I think also more impressed by others elsewhere. And that there's a general feeling amongst the recruitment staff at Liverpool that better is available and that will be available this summer. Um, Hence, why you know they've effectively moved on and, and are looking elsewhere and. They obviously think that, that that you know that Coutinho money that's sitting there, Klopp decided not to spend in January, will be better spent on someone who isn't Lamar come the summer. I'm preparing myself, Joe, for the fume when Lamar has a tremendous World Cup for France, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. and his price suddenly goes to uh, he's heading to uh, the Emirates for 120 million <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or something. It's uh, it, it, it seems a long way away the transfer window, but it is always on the back of people's minds, especially when they see Coutinho score his first goal for Barcelona, for instance. Last night, it sort of brings where Liverpool are, or the absence often from Liverpool back into your living room, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't think we should shed many tears over Thomas Lamar at 90 million. It's a ridiculous price for someone who's had what essentially. Could you have told me Thomas Lamar was 18 months ago? No, no, I don't think there'd be anyone, even the so-called European experts, would not be able to name him because he, he just wasn't someone that was sort of burst into the limelight. And he played well in a good Monaco team last year. They've been stripped of some of their better players, and he hasn't played quite as well this year. So. I don't blame Liverpool for walking away at 90 million. It's a lot of money for for a player like that, and I'm sure there there are other players out there that you could either get for a better price or for a better pedigree for that sort of money. Well, Christian Walsh is uh, very happy. This this is step one towards Pulisic arriving at uh, arriving at Anfield. So uh... well, he's the one that would you would think if Klopp's going to spend the likes of 90 million. I think he'd probably rather I mean this is just a guess but he'd rather spend it on someone he knows like Pulisic someone that we know he's had a look at before someone who's he's, he's had a cracking season he's, he's big in America isn't he in terms of like he's a massive name in, in terms of US, US soccer and um, and yeah and he's someone that sort of plays across different positions so I, I think he does make sense on paper um, but sometimes I always find that they'll, they'll pull someone out of the bag that who the, who the guest Thomas Lamar next, last summer and yeah, yeah, they always seem to pull someone out of the bag that you know. Well, even Mohamed Salah, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that was, was you know, yeah. 
last year we were still talking about Julian Brandt. Yeah. Was Sadio Mane when they signed yeah. him? Wasn't yeah. someone that, that was mentioned a great deal, was he, until it start, the ball started rolling? Yeah. So. Of course, it's, it's frustrating to even that we mentioned it early in the pod, but um, it's noticeable that we had two interviews with Mohamed Salah drop this week, if you like. Um, one was by 442, uh, obviously sort of like worldwide sort of football magazine, you know, translated into lots of languages. And and then most worryingly for me, and I know the lad spoke about uh, Salah and, and the fact he was doing so well and could be a target for people in the in the pod earlier in the week, but the I, I was deeply worried to see a chat with him with Marca yeah. who who are effectively regarded as the mouthpiece of Real Madrid in Spain. And um I was thinking, A, why have Liverpool even let him talk to Marca? Um, the answer may be that they don't really have any right to stop him. I, I don't know about that, though normally you know, players have to have media uh, signed off really on, don't they? And, and, and the other thing was, it, it, it's the most blatant positioning of a player I've ever seen by an agent ever potentially um, in terms of potentially... Awakening at the Spanish Madrid-esque audience to Salah's talents. To, um, am I being too cynical, or were, you know, this is a man who only joined Liverpool last summer and is on a you know five or six-year deal, isn't he? I think so. You know, we should expect him to be here well through the summer and at least another year. And most of us would regard him as, you know, he's here now. He, he spoke a lot in the four four two interview about. How much he'd supported Liverpool as a young lad? Yeah, I, I didn't actually know that until, until I read it. Uh, was it yesterday that he, he was apparently a boyhood Liverpool fan? But um, I'm with you, to be honest. I, maybe we're just cynical, but um, it, it it isn't great, is it? Seeing you know Liverpool's top player coming out with an interview with with Mark of all publications, you could could have spoke to anyone in, in England with be it a big national or, <coughs> you know, <coughs> or maybe the, the local media. But um, to, to speak to Mark about you know. This, that, and the other is slightly worrying. And uh, Liverpool fans have been here before, haven't they? With you know Luis Suarez, Philip Coutinho. So I don't think maybe it mightn't come as a, as a big shock in this day and age, but it's still still a bit worrying. I was I was slightly heartened by the presence the next day of a Eden Hazard interview with Marca. So his agents <laughs> clearly uh, keen to position him for the big move uh, to Madrid as well. So uh, it. You know, it may be that that Madrid will will want to come in with a bid for one of the two or both, even given the the, the season they're having, which isn't great. But um, but who knows? But you know, Liverpool have them under contract, and uh, you know, however much that matters, who knows these days? Um, you know, we're seeing. Mares obviously not even bothering turning up at, at Leicester. Which... No, he's turned up today. Oh, did he turn yeah, up today? Yeah, yeah. Apologies, Riyadh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough. He's still at a, a disgrace, isn't he? Yeah. That's yeah. just unbelievable. Absolutely. Well, Christian wrote an interesting piece, uh, Christian Walsh's, um, about you know yesterday about whether Mares's sort of attitude in after not being allowed to go to Man City was sort of was an indication that probably Klopp was right that to get you know. Coutinho out the door if he wanted to go for all that I couldn't quite see Coutinho going down that road he's never struck you as that sort of player but you don't you, know, yeah. you don't know do you yeah well it does tie in with what Klopp was saying about he came to the conclusion we couldn't have used him in the second half of the season so you know, that, that bad back hurting him again <laughs> you think so yeah and 
you know, we were sat in the summer saying he's not the type of player who would rock the boat and submit a transfer request. He did so on the eve of the new Premier League season. You know, he, he's not the kind of player to kick up a fuss. And then there was close family members briefing Sky Sports News that his relationship with Klopp had broken down and he was upset at being subbed off so often and all that nonsense. So, yeah, I, I think who knows whether Coutinho would have gone down the Mares route, but I think that definitely the fear of that and what the detrimental impact that would have had on Liverpool's season would have been part of the the decision-making that went into Klopp deciding that he'd had enough of it and it was time to bite the bullet and let him go. Um, one other little issue to deal with from this week was the uh, was the um, re-emergence of the Boston Strangler in, the, uh, in Stevenage. <laughs> as, uh, um, I don't know if anyone saw the under-23s game where a number of senior players travelled, uh, Ings, Solanke, um, Adam Lalana. And there was one other one who's, who escapes me, but uh, oh Ben Woodburn of course went as well. And uh, yeah, they they lost the game uh, only one nil in the end, which was um, remarkable. Being how they ended up with nine men on the field. Uh, the first ending off, James was Adam Lalana sort of um, almost throttling George Marsh um, off Spurs after Marsh had sort of clattered into him in a, in a headed challenge. Um, we don't need to dwell too long on it. it. It was the first sending off of Lalana's career. I mean, I, I was watching it live and thinking, what on earth is he doing? And Danny Ings did him a massive favour by sort of pulling him away, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I never actually saw the red card being waved, but Lalana was off down the tunnel fairly rapidly. <laughs> um, it, 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 to me, I wrote a little piece about, about it saying he'd been an absolute idiot, but you can just see the frustration in him in the sense that this season, you know, he'd have been looking forward to a big season with Liverpool and heading to the World Cup with England and it just hasn't happened for him, has it? No, and it was, you, know, you can't, there is no defence for what he did. He was actually clattered by the same lad when he marched about 10, 15 minutes before and then obviously got an elbow in the back. But yeah, you, he, you know, Klopp touched upon it at Melwood today saying he, you know, he didn't like it. Adam himself had, you know, had, had apologised for, for what he'd done. Um, Completely unacceptable, especially with that twenty and twenty three squad as well now being, you know, added to with you know real young young players from the eighteens who obviously look up to someone like Adam Lallana as a as a real role model. So yeah, and I'm sure he didn't need telling that he'd, he'd let himself down with that one. Um, but you know, thankfully, you know, no no real damage done in terms of uh, you know Marsh wasn't wasn't hurt. Probably a bit startled by. Uh, <laughs> by getting throttled, he's an X size. Um, he's an X size smaller. Yeah, uh, but, um, but you know, and obviously the three match ban won't really have any impact whatsoever because it only applies to under twenty three fixtures. Klopp said today Lana could be back in the squad for Sunday. You know, I think obviously bench at best. But I think you're right. It, all of that was, you know, an outpouring of frustration because you know, it it just wasn't his game the other night, was it? It was a terrible game on a terrible pitch. And you know he, he was obviously desperate to try and impress after, as you said, a miserable season. What we in the middle of February and he started two games for the first team all season, um, and you know all all of that boiled over. Um, but you know I, I still think Lallana would be really important for Liverpool during the running, and you know, hope you just hope he can keep himself fit because you know at a time when other players might be feeling the strain after you know a long season, you know he, he should be one of those ones who is. Absolutely fresh and ready to make a make a real a real important contribution.
Brilliant. Well, we will end with a quick, as we usually do, a quick prediction for the game. Starting with you, Joe. 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 Liverpool. Good and positive to start with. Do you know what? I'm going to go 1-0. Liverpool. 1-0 Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. Clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'm going to bring the mood down a bit and I'm going to say I don't think Liverpool will win. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, that's. I don't know. Bother. I just. I have a bad feeling about it. Just the way sometimes you get about a game. And uh, you've been talking to Jan Mulby too much. No, no. Well, you know. Listen, I could talk to Jan all day, every day, <laughs> if I could. Um, James, you're the man who would be making the uh, lengthy journey down there. One each. One each. One it's each, a draw. Yeah, yeah. It's a draw from. Piercy. Um, well, hopefully, um, Messrs. Rimmer and Gorst are much more accurate than Pierce and Kelly, and uh, we get out of uh, St Mary's with three points. Um, stay with the Echo all over the weekend. Joe Rimmer will be here with you tomorrow with all the Reds news, including an interview later on with uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. There'll also be uh, a chat with Danny Ings from myself and a bit of Ben Woodburn. So, loads on the site tomorrow, and of course, Sunday, I'll be back on the live blog, and James will be reporting live from St Mary's and you might even get a bit of Paul Gorse too so uh, <laughs> both, days. both days there you are so uh, listen a, a weekend uh, to anticipate with real relish I think uh, anyway uh, enjoy the pint if you're having one uh, this has been the Blood Red podcast and we'll be back with you on Monday cheers for listening Ta-ra.